Hello, and welcome to Terralex Insights Podcast, where our goal is to present multicultural perspectives by leading professionals. These perspectives on contemporary issues will help lawyers and business people work better together. I'm your host, Terry Pepper Gavlik, Terralex's Chief Business Officer. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with a man who I called boss for about a decade of my career and who is also well-known far and wide in the legal industry in any part of the world. You say his name and everybody knows it. So joining us today is Brad Hildebrandt. Brad's a leading expert on the management of, of the legal profession, and he formed Hildebrandt Inc., my former employer, uh, in 1978 to provide a broad range of management and consulting advice to law firms, law departments, and government agencies. Now known as Hildebrandt Consulting LLC, Brad still provides strategic consulting services as well as industry research, which we're going to talk about in a little while and more. So Brad, welcome to the podcast. We're glad to have you here today. Thank you. Glad to see you. It's been a long time. It's nice to see you too. I know our audience will only hear you, but I'm getting the benefit of seeing you in a really long time. And we're just across the state from each other in Florida, uh, where we're bundled up because it's cold for us. So uh, I know up north, today, as of the recording today, they're suffering. I'm in, I'm in Naples, so it's yeah. going to be 75 here today. There you go. <laughs> Brad, I think it'd be best for um, you to talk about your origin story and how you got to where you are today to, uh, you know, a little bit about your background. I think that'd be interesting for our listeners to hear. I don't know how far back you want to go. I know there's some pretty interesting parts early on. I could go back a long way. I don't know if I want to do <laughs> that well i to start i when i graduated from rutgers and um took a job working for a law firm as a manager before anybody ever heard of that title and spent six years i guess there that was a new jersey firm then i spent seven years on a wall street firm and then uh, at that point in time uh, started the consulting company Mm -hmm. and we grew at some point we're over 150 consultants when we were related to thomson reuters but then we cut from thomson reuters I forgot the year. And so I reset the company up. I basically now do work for very specific clients. Uh, my practice has always been global. It's uh, it's feels sh- it's sad. I'm not on an airplane anymore. Maybe that's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Matter of fact, my wife and I flew to Florida and uh, in October and I said, wow, I'm on an airplane. This is fantastic. <laughs> so, I, I kind of miss it. <laughs> so, um, so that's what I do. I mostly do strategic planning. I do a lot of work in governance and compensation, but mostly strategic. And I guess I'm known for my merger expertise. Mm-hmm. So I've done a lot, many, many of the mergers that have occurred in the last 15 years, 20 years. I know from just our membership, which of course is global and hundred, you know, over a hundred, well over a hundred law firms around the world. If I am saying that I worked for you. Everybody knows your name. So yeah, you, you do have a very strong global presence. I know um, in the last several years, actually since, since the beginning of time practically, but even more so lately, there's been a couple of research studies that you do annually that we can't wait to get and find the insights in them are great. And most recently, uh, two of your major research initiatives. One is your report with Citibank that you've done for a long time, and then the Jamadi research. I wonder if you wouldn't mind breaking those down a little bit and talking sure. about the, the focus and some of the findings. Sure. Well, the Citigroup uh, study that we do together, and we've been doing that, I think, for 15 or 16 years. And um, I think it's, pro- I mean, there's other people doing those reports now, but I think ours still, I know we get calls all the time, where is it, where is it, when is it coming out? And we try to put it out earlier than most other studies. Although this year it was of course challenging because it's a lot more guesswork than it is fact at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we try to do that in terms of a, a general look at the profession, mostly globally, um, because we do have clients everywhere. Um, 
and, and give people some insights and thoughts about you know, what we see, which is sometimes different than what the press is talking about or other pundits are talking about. Um, because basically we think the legal profession is more stable than anybody wants to admit that it is and will continue to be that way. The Jamani report is done in London. Um, Tony Williams and I have been friends, you might remember this story, but for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe about eight years ago, we decided to form sort of a joint venture. So we share clients with each other but those research projects, he, the ones he does, is really goes beyond the legal profession. It's, it's more about business, and it's quite with a UK perspective. Uh, and then he applies some of those facts to the legal profession as he sees it. But it's quite a different report. It's not really talking very much about the state of the legal profession as it is the business around the legal profession. Right. And those trends and so he, are always enlightening. So, yeah, he writes that. Uh, he's got a good researcher. And then we look it over and then we send it out uh, together. I think on the, the Citibank one that you work with, Greta Rusinow, who is a good friend of Terralex and spoke to our managing partners last year. So, so this yeah, goes around. Yeah. So, talking about that uh, client advisory, talk a little bit, if you wouldn't mind, about the state of law firms generally. It, I, I'm glad to hear you say you think it's a little more stable than it's than other pundits have said. And I, I tend to agree with you from what we see in our membership. But maybe, you know, take it in whatever direction you like, opportunities, risks, challenges. What's facing law firms right now? Well, I think, you know, in March is really when everything broke loose as far as the pandemic concerned. And as you know, Terry, I have a private roundtable of about 25 firms that mm -hmm. meets sort of off the record twice a year. We now do a monthly conference call. And so we were talking with each other right when this began. And of course, uh, no one really knew. I had, I had said something, I think I got quoted by the American lawyer that I didn't think it was gonna be as bad as people thought it was. And I, and I sort of got laughed at a little bit. And in fact, I could have been dead wrong as a matter of fact, you know. There's an old Chinese proverb that says, if you use a crystal ball, you often eat your glass. <laughs> and I could have Love at least not done that. But I, the reason I said that was when I, I've been through at least five recessions in the profession, maybe more, including the last big one. And what, what I know about the legal profession in a recession, um, it, it suffers less than many other businesses and it almost always recovers sooner. And so I was hoping that some things would happen. It, there was just an unknown here that we couldn't really forecast. And so things really stopped dead for maybe six weeks, two months. Mm -hmm. But um, by, by May, there was some glimmer of light already showing in terms of demand. Now it was different, you know, the transactional work was off, but other work, uh, bankruptcy was picking up, labor was really strong, healthcare was strong, which sort of, um, goes to the issue of diversification in the business. Mm -hmm. um, but we expect that revenue to be down and it, it, it probably will not be down that much after all. By about September, and, and law firms took a lot of steps. They, they um, reduced draws, they cut salaries, they took down the lines of credit. But by August, some firms were already starting to put those um, we reverse those decisions. And, and by October, almost they were almost all reversed back to normal and we're even paying some associate bonuses. So I think what happens here is that the law firms that have really close and tight relationship with clients win out in this situation because the client doesn't want to go shopping for a new law firm mm -hmm. when, 
when he really when that person has to really trust the firm he's been with and that that inures to the benefit of the firm with those relationships i think the second thing is um it's a real lesson in diversification in size um the large firms have done much better because they're more diversified we have some clients who are not doing quite as well because they have uh, too few eggs in a basket. Uh, they're either too industry focused or too practice focused. And they were having a little bit of a harder time. But I think when it, as it comes out and you can see the numbers coming out of the American lawyer now, they're pretty positive. Mm-hmm. Um, revenue, I think will be up a little bit this year. Some firms quite, quite a bit up. A lot, will be, a lot will be flat and some will be down, but profits are gonna be record numbers. And we have a lot of clients who actually are ahead of their original budgets they put in place before the pandemic uh, hit. So I think diversification was it. And we know there's segmentation. We know that the top 50 firms in the country or in the world are outpacing everybody else. That doesn't mean that they, smaller firms can't compete. That's not, I've never said that. That's why think, we exist. So small, I, independent well, I think, firms can I compete. I think you have to remember, and I, I, I even have arguments with City about this because they want to tend to say, well, you know, here's what the most successful firms, but the definition of success is success in your market, not somebody exactly. else's. So a lot of your members, they're not competing with Davis Polk or, or even some of the big national or international. They're focusing in a specific market. They can be under more pressure. And I think there will be pressure there. We're seeing some hefty lateral moves right now from smaller firms to smaller firms. Um, I think part of that pressure is that um, the lateral market, which dried up for maybe three weeks, uh, is now red hot. And you can see that there are many firms rating smaller or mid-sized firms because mid-sized and small firms have good talent. Right. And so you have to be able to compete. In the, and if you're in the big cities where the, big, where the larger firms have presence, it gets pretty tight in terms of keeping your talent or reta- retaining your talent. So I think we will we'll see some more consolidation. I mean, merger activity, which is mostly smaller firms, by the way, over the years, either together or going into a larger firm, uh, of course, slow down. It's hard to do a merger when you can't see, see anybody eye to eye. Yeah. But um, there are right now some mergers already uh, in progress. And I think two, that this year, 2021, we'll be back to a pretty strong merger and, and um, consolidation mode. This profession is consolidating been doing it for a long time. For as long as I can remember practically. Right. And so I think that, you know, there will be pressure on some of the firms that either lose talent or having trouble competing or just feel they're not highly capitalized or they don't have the strength that can't, they can't buy the strength they need, or they don't have the platform they need. That's not everybody. There's some very good. I mean, I've never been a proponent that mid-sized firms are going to disappear. People write about that all the time. That's absurd. It, it, but consolidation is you know, because a mid-sized firm today is four or 500 lawyers. Right, exactly. Uh, you know, it's amazing. So that's that's what I think. As far as this year is concerned, I'm getting ahead of myself, tell me. If, as far okay. as this year is concerned, um, I'm pretty bullish about this year because here's a few factors. Um, the profession is ending this quarter pretty strong. And it appears that demand is holding up at least in the first few weeks of this year. You have a lot of pent up demand out there. You have pent up demand in, with private equity, with M&A. You have a lot of pent up demand with litigation, not so much because there's no litigation, but because the courts have been closed. Right. Exactly. As the courts opened up, 
Um, I know some chairmen think this could be a banner year. Uh, we'll see. You know, again, we never know. We don't know how long this thing is going to take to work itself out. But there, all the indications were that the profession could have pretty good year on almost every level. And even for, for the midsize and smaller from there who do a lot of real estate work, real estate work has been really hot. Um, you know, so things go up and down. But again, the firms that have, have a diverse practice tend to perform a little better. Yeah, it's good to hear you say you're bullish. I tend to agree with you. Um, it, last year, normally you would have seen litigation it'd be counter cyclical and litigation save firms. But since that didn't happen, I do agree it's pent up and it may save the firms this year. So just to get us out of the, the bubble. And I think it, I think it will. And, and bankruptcy is just really starting. Yeah. Um, so the firm, I have a couple of clients who are smaller bankruptcy firms. They, they just can't handle the work they're getting. So. All right, the results you shared, I mean, we've seen that across the board with some exceptions in really hard hit countries in our member base as well. Yeah. But what we saw is that the way that they've sort of proofed themselves against what's going on is by joining up together and the collaboration and pitches and proposals and client work has been the highest we've ever seen. So, well, you know, the um, another interesting phenomenon and that is um, there's more, there's more interest today in best friends arrangements which is a good thing for the smaller or mid-sized firm. I have a client, I won't tell you who it was, but I have a client that's a basically global law firm. And, and the chairman of that firm said, I don't really want to be in every city. And so I set out a, uh, on a project with him to pick five places. They were all international places to develop some best friends arrangements, including as far away as Israel. Mm -hmm. And um, we found some really good firms. And the way that works is it's non-exclusive non because uh, it can't be. It can't have right. But it's, it's a best efforts to work together. This firm invites all their members to their annual retreat. I usually go visit them once a year just to see that things are going well. So I think we're going to see more of that, which will benefit some of the clients you have in Terralex. Sure. Uh, uh, because there'll be some opportunities without giving up their independence to be part of something a little bigger. And it, there's no question the global firms have been outpacing almost everybody else. So I, 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 that's a good sign for your membership, I think. Yeah, our membership ends up um, competing a lot for client work against the global firms, but they have a pretty powerful story to tell because they are joined up and, and um, you know they work together so seamlessly. So it's been fun to watch. So um, turning to the Jamadi research because my team also looks forward to seeing that every year because it tells us what's on the horizon or what is impacting, like you said, the client community that then impacts the lawyers that serve them. And there were some really interesting themes this year. Um, maybe you could talk about some of the findings in there, particularly ESG, which I think is is on everybody's, the tip of everybody's tongue right now. Well, ESG will be a big issue and that will have uh, a real impact on the practice of law. And I think what, what that's what uh, Tony was saying, that uh, the firms that have expertise in ESG and can get working on ESG and understand it. Not everybody understands it. By I know. Way. I was going to say, maybe do a brief discussion. I'm not the expert. We, I'm probably not the expert. Well, we, we are doing another podcast where we're going to do a very deep dive into ESG. Why don't you do that? Because I, I, I know about it, but I don't want to. I yeah. can miss, you miss quarter. But I think that whole phenomena is going to benefit the law firm. It's kind of like Brexit, you know, Brexit. Uh, there was all the doom and gloom about law firms and Brexit and, and, um, and yet the, the, the UK firms did not perform quite as well as the US firms generally this last, and they're on a different cycle. 
But basically, they did very well globally, particularly in infrastructure and dealing with all of the financial regulations that um, the BRICS situation was going to change. And now there's more there's more focus on that and more clarity to it. Mm-hmm. And so I think for the European your European members, uh, getting this BRICS thing out of the way hopefully is a positive because they, they you know, there was a time when when some of the UKs were shifting lawyers to Ireland or shifting them to other places because there could have been restrictions on where they could practice. I'm not sure that's all quite cleared up yet, but there's better focus on that now. And so they're a force to be reckoned with those big UK firms because they are all over the place. And, you know, the, the international firms, um, they come in kind of three types. The ones that basically say, I'm in New York, I don't want to be anywhere else the ones that want to be in every country in the world, the big varines, and then those who want to be in strategic places. And when your members are looking at all this, it's good to understand that strategy of those firms, because I think there is clearly opportunity uh, in some consolidation that's coming up. Yeah. And I don't want to leave the listeners hanging. So just to define ESG, it's environmental, social, and corporate governance. And we've been talking about it in relation to the diversity and inclusion and equity um, right. requirements of me- of clients, which often did slip in favor of loyalty and client relationships. And this one isn't going to be. This no. one is, if you can't comply, you may not get to serve it's clients. The flavor that of the, it, it's years. the flavor of the year. You know, it's no question. The other big issue um, that is affecting law firms is cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. Um, there, was just a, there was just a thing in the paper today where the big Boston firm just got hit. And they're getting hit, not directly sometimes, but they got hit through a vendor. And law firms, and I would say the midsize and small firms don't really take this as seriously as they should, because um, I, I've done some work in this field with another expert, and his theory is you have two kinds of law firms. Either you've been hacked or you don't know you've been hacked. <laughs> yeah. And so you, that's a big issue, and it's a big issue for clients and when you're talking to clients, because some of the technology that law firms are buying, some of the smaller stuff, some of the big law firms are starting to question the security of those of those uh, products. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I would say to your members, be very serious about cybersecurity. It's going to cost you some money, but but be very careful about it. And if yeah, you start- well, and in a related, I guess, aspect is the uh, the whole notion of data, data, privacy, data yeah, privacy. privacy and data protection and GDPR. Yeah. And that's helped. I know our European firms tend to lead the way. Because yeah. uh, they have such stringent requirements that does help with cybersecurity. So, but it's it's expensive and it's right. very complex. And and, and cybersecurity doesn't uh, obey borders. Yeah, you know, exactly. It, it all over. And it's sometimes very insidious. You sometimes you won't even know. I mean, we've had some sh- firms completely shut down over it. Mm-hmm. But um, I know that um, I know that some of the U.S. banks audit are now auditing their law firms on their cybersecurity procedures. Yeah. So, as uh, I, I said, remember I, when I, I used said, to manage, I, I, my prior firm, right before I came here, I managed professional liability and it was every year the questions got tougher and tougher, more yeah. rigorous too. So. And those prices are going up, by the way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I would say, you know, for firms, uh, you know, fairly large, smaller firms, they don't still take this quite as seriously as they should. So I don't just um, to give you a chance to talk about the client's perspective. I know you do some work with law departments and um, we talked about some of the trends, but um, 
a big challenge for law firms is how do you win new clients? The whole last year was all about client loyalty, expanding relationships with your existing clients for the reasons you stated early on. Do you see that clients will start to look in various directions and will it be easier to win work from someone you're not already working with? What will that there's take? Always, you know, there's always that opportunity, um, but you have to, you have to know what that client needs. A lot of people or a lot of law firms lose business or don't, or don't win bids because they really don't have the expertise that the client needs. And in this, and I think in this climate, as I mentioned before, clients are not going to take risks on going to a new firm unless they really know they have that expertise. Mm -hmm. So it's, there's no such thing as one shop suits everybody anymore. It's all by specialization. And more and more, it's industry ex expertise. You know, Terry, that some of the bigger firms are, have really gotten away from practice groups. And yeah, we've really done it focused, in Terralex. I mean, we have really practice focused groups. about on industry. That's and industry means you get a chance at the table when you might not have gotten it before, but you have to win with the talent. It's foolish to try and then not win because you really have two people that know what the firms are talking about. But there's always a chance. I think you know, there's a lot of effort with client teams today. This is all your field. Um, client teams, keeping close to the client. Um, the other issue, of course, is diversity mm -hmm. right now. And it's, it, you know, there's been a lot of that in the U.S. on racism, but it's really diversity all over. And um, some of the firms, I think, that are doing better with this actually get together with their clients and try to work out a joint approach. Because... I, I recently um, did a did a roundtable for a retreat when we could have retreats <laughs> for and I moderated a group of general counsel and um, they were saying you know because some say well the general counsel will have much better technology actually it's not true unless you are in General Motors or someplace like that and you ask the general counsel they'll tell you they can't get the budgets and one of the one of the one of the general counsels said at the program, I just wish I had the technology my law firms have. Yeah. Sharing that technology with the client, that's a very good way to get inside the door. Yeah, it sort of weds uh, you deeply. It's, it, it's, it knits you together with the client in a way that it's hard to replace. Yes, and if you, have, if you have a strong technology person on staff, it's not a bad idea to take that person to pitches with you. Yeah. Um, because that's a big issue, a big issue today. So I, I would say it's, there's always... You know, there'll be more shopping, I think, as things uh, ease up a bit. Um, but I do think that it really has demonstrated that the closer the client relationship, the better they did in this downturn. Um, do you are you seeing the same kind of winnowing of the ranks in corporate law departments that you're that we're seeing to some extent in law firms, you know, getting smaller as a result of the last year? Uh, that actually started before that. There was a big buildup. And then. Um, as recessions were starting to form, law departments are not immune from downturns. And, you know, they are sometimes pretty high on the list of cutting costs in a corporation because it's sort of the non-productive unit and yet it takes up enormous amounts of time and money. Um, and I know a lot of them had, had cost cuts at that time. And they can't, and they also can't afford some of the salaries that people are paying associates today, right. even in other countries. I mean, you know, there's no secret why the UK firms now have got to readdress their locksteps or pay more for their associates because of competition. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that your point there is well taken. 
there there will be some of that going going on. But I I mean there the last you, you hear surveys and sometimes they contradict each other. But the last survey I saw that I thought was reliable is always done, it's done once a year and says how much business are you going to give out. Uh, and that number was higher this year than it was because which does show they probably they don't can't get all the expertise they need. Yeah, you know? that's good. Now, they're, they're more sophisticated than they were before. They do more than they did before. The key is having a close relationship with them and helping them choose whether they should stay inside or go outside. With that dialogue, you get a long way with, yeah. with, with your client. But, um, but on the other hand, you know, you have a lot of members and there's a lot of law firms in the world that don't really have clients that have law departments. That's a, that's a good opportunity, actually, to be sort of improve your relationship and take on some of those responsibilities for the client. Yeah, we, we or, see some of that going on around the world where our, our members act as the general counsel for a company. Yeah, and I, I, when I ran the first firm in New York or the second firm in New York, um, we would often say to, at that time we had a mid-market New York practice, we would say to a client, you don't have an uh, in-house lawyer. We think you should because we're doing things that you could do yourself. And I actually help recruit those lawyers for those clients. Mm-hmm. And I just spent our relationship even closer. So, so there's I really don't an opportunity you, a- you look okay, for. Go ahead, I don't want to throw you a curveball, but someone posed a question to me yesterday, and it just now occurred to me to pose it to you. So get ready. Um, I, I, my life is full of curveballs. So I, I know. And I know you're quick on your feet, so otherwise I wouldn't do this to a guest. But the question is all around the culture of law firms when everyone gets back to where they're part-time in the office or full-time in the office and gathering back together. Do you think a firm will be able to recapture its culture and or should they or would they want to or should they look for something different? It's an interesting question and a complicated one. I, I think that actually, if you look at how successful firms have operated under extreme circumstances, the firms that have had strong culture, that strong culture got them through that. Now, I can tell you this, that in this round table I have, um, we have different discussions and the discussions have shift about from, you know, can we make it through this pandemic? You know, we're closing our offices. The major discussion today is when we're going to reopen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say if you talk to the heads of most law firms, they want their offices reopened. Oh, yeah. Whether or not that means you'll, you'll do more distance learning, uh, probably. But I suggest that once you get about 30, 40% of your lawyers back in, other, pe- other lawyers are going to follow because they're not going to be one left out. So, yes, there is, I mean, some. Some heads of law firms think there's a lost generation, actually, Mm -hmm. that training is really suffering. Uh, We hear more and more about uh, the the negative impacts of remote working, and it's having psychological effects, and people want to come back. So I think once offices start to open, and some places they are open, but it's a little tricky when you're in a big city and you're relying on um, transportation. Yeah. Uh, you know, subways and buses, that's going to take a little longer. But the set, I, I know for one of our clients here has basically told their lawyers they want them back in the office. They will give them some time to work at home, but not full time. Interesting. So I think that's changing. And I think it has had, it is having a negative effect. It's gone from, this is great. This is great. And, we, and, and it was great. Look at everything that got done, but there's a loss and that loss is starting to grow. I think there is a loss. I, I've been reading a lot about the loss in diversity and inclusion as well, and in that 
Um, it's some of the gains of the last decade have just been completely erased because out of sight, out of mind. And it's just hard. It's just yeah. very hard. And it's not just, you know, everyone wants to blame the law firm. It's not the law firm's fault. Everybody's having this problem. Um, so I, and the law firm, they're doing a lot on diversity generally right now. But I think that there is a loss. Um, the loss is really in camaraderie. It's in working together as a team, things like that. So yeah. yes, I think there'll be, the big difference I think is that what this, um, what this pandemic has shown is that law firms were probably overstaffed a long time ago. Well, we've and been saying that for quite a so, while. <laughs> so, you know, there's been a lot of layoffs. A lot of that is in professional assistance because lawyers are doing so much themselves. Yeah, and yeah, you know, so, the ratios that people aspired to 10 so, years ago, they're finally yeah, getting now. Yeah, on the other hand, the the increase in profits, which is astronomical in some firms, double digits, hmm. is caused primarily by cost reduction. Yeah, yeah. Which... And by mid-year, some of those costs are coming back. I mean, offices will reopen, people will start to travel. I already have two clients that have tentatively scheduled a partner's retreat for the fall because they really want to get everybody together. So yeah. that's going to be a little bit of a challenge um, because partners are going to get paid a lot of money this year. Uh, and you're probably not going to be in the same position next year right. or this coming or this year we're in, I'm sorry, yeah. last year, because these expenses will start coming back. Yeah. We're watching that. Some, you know, some are taught, there are some people say, well, you know, you won't need as much space. Well, actually the law firms that have moved in the last five years have all taken less space than they needed before. Well, you just can't walk away from leases. So yeah. if there's a savings there and there will be, that's a long-term issue. Exactly. Yeah, we, we, we are going, it mirrors everything we're going through actually within our company as well. So yeah. we're coming to the end of our time, but before we wrap up, I just wanted to give you a chance to share anything else, any best advice, couple of, uh, you know, we talked about some of the trends and things that law firms need to be thinking about. Anything you want to reiterate or any other things you want to add to the list? Well, I, I would just say be be, be positive about the future. I think it is good. If you're a firm that's struggling or if you're a firm that, um, you know, there's a lot of firms that have been approached for merger and always said no. I would say don't say no quite so close. So if you find you're under pressure, don't wait until you're in trouble if you're going to do something because you never win that way. Right. And there's opportunities and there may be opportunities for even the mid or smaller firm to do a little um, acquisition themselves. Um, be very careful about the competition coming forward. People are throwing money at good lawyers and every firm has good lawyers. And so I would be working very hard and on retention. Mm -hmm. You know, associate attrition has dropped way off. It's going to start getting, start going back up again because firms have laid off some associates and, and um, we'll start recruiting again. So I would, I would just make sure that you have a strategic plan. And, and it doesn't have to be 100 pages. I do them and I hate them when they're 100 pages. Mm -hmm. But basically, what are we trying to do in the next few years? And what's in our way? That's the question yeah. I always prefer. What do you want to do? And what's in your way? And if your base is too small, if you're not diversified enough, then work on that. Or if you're in specific areas, be the best in those areas. Because that's competition is, is returning pretty quick now. And it will intensify as this year goes on. And you're seeing it in lateral moves, which have become really very high in the last month. Yeah. Excellent insights. Excellent advice. I hope people take notice. I thank you so much for joining us today. You're take welcome. care and thanks to our listeners. All right. Bye now. 
Bye-bye.